Welcome to the Community Caregivers Connected Podcast, where we talk about how to raise healthy kids. In this series, we'll tackle every topic from substance use to mental health and relationships. In these episodes, we'll hear from a group of professionals, parents, and youth. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokaneprevention.com. You're listening to the Community Caregivers Connected podcast. We're the Spokane County Prevention Team, sitting down with parents, professionals, youth, and others in Spokane to talk about how we can raise healthy kids and empower our community. This month, we're talking about mental health. We have a dynamic group of individuals who will share their stories and shed some light on the mental health crisis in our country and in Spokane. Some of the content may be triggering or distressing, so please practice self-care. Understanding issues concerning mental health and suicide is an important way for us to take part in prevention and help others who are facing hardships. Help us keep up the conversation. If you are concerned about someone that may be facing a mental health difficulty, reach out to SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-273-8255 or suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You are not alone, and we are here to help. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us at spokaneprevention at gmail.com. This week, we're doing things a little differently. Melinda Brown and Jeff get to sit down in front of a live audience as they answer questions about mental health and wellness. Hi, Jeff. I'm Melinda Brown. I'm a student assistant professional supervisor for the ESD 101. Um, Kind of my background, I was an SAP for 16 years, working directly with students in the schools. Um, and just recently moved into a supervisor role. I have a team of SAPs that work in the school and I help support them. So Jeff, tell me about who you are and what you do. Well, hello, I am Jeff Hayward. I'm a physician assistant at CHAS, CHAS, the Community Health Association of Spokane. Currently, I'm actually at the Rogers Health Clinic here, which is one of our newest clinics in CHAS, where we are located inside Rogers High School. We provide primary medical care to the students and the staff here at Rogers High School. Wonderful. Well, thanks for joining us on our podcast today. Um, Today, our topic is mental health. Kind of tell me about why you're interested in mental health and why you do what you do. Definitely. Uh, To me, mental health is actually very near and dear to my heart. So as a physician assistant, uh, many people may not know all about what PAs are, but they're very similar like nurse practitioners, but what PAs usually have is some kind of previous experience, whether that's nursing or they worked in an emergency room, tech, or whatnot. My previous experience is actually in mental health. So I worked at Frontier Behavioral Health for six years with a chronically mentally ill downtown. Those are people that are experiencing things like schizophrenia, bipolar, and other very serious mental health issues. So a lot of my heart coming into my role as a PA now, which is in family medicine, where I provide, you know... Uh, a variety of services when it comes to blood pressure, mental health, you know, cancer, whatever it is, I do all those things. Uh, I, I actually tend to believe that mental health is actually the most important thing to treat in every human being. Uh, and that is because, you know, for most people, you know, whether they take their pills or not, whether or not they feel healthy or not, is usually a mindset. 
It's usually how we think of the world, it's how we process the world. And many people sort of sort of diminish the power of the mind. And some people say, oh, you're saying it's all in my head or something like that. And I, I usually like to say something like, well, you know, all of human consciousness, all of what we experience, all of our memories, all of our personality is in our mind. So when it comes down to it, when someone is healthy or not, it really has a lot to do with their mind. Gotcha. And so coming from working with adults to children, what kind of differences do you see? Uh, well, I think one of the major things that working in this role that causes uh, barriers to us uh, figuring out what's going on with students is that, you know, kids are still figuring out themselves. You know, they're still figuring out who they are. They're figuring out, you know, what kind of experience they're having. Uh, earlier this week, I saw a seven-year-old in my uh, practice at the regular clinic. And, you know, the child was describing something with their vision, which didn't actually make a lot of sense to me. And the parent didn't really make a lot of sense to them. Now, uh, go fast forward to adolescence and teenage, you're becoming much more adult-like, you have a much more mature understanding of your body and how it works, but you're still, these things are so often very new. I mean, we really hope that most uh, children uh, have not had to have a lot of experience with the medical uh, medical interventions. You know, we hope that kids are going to be healthy and that that is not something they experience. And so we, we don't actually expect them to have a hard time explaining what they're going through, or it might be the first time they're going through something like depression. You know, we see the onset of depression and things like that, you know, really soon after kids get into like middle school. And a lot of that has to do with those big transitions we make from the expectations of elementary school to middle school to high school. They have to start managing their own lives. They have to start making some decisions. They start responsible to do some studying for themselves. And suddenly their, their life is not uh, just being told what to do. They have to actually do things to be able to function. And that transition is where we can see a lot of things emerge uh, in a child's life. So as a parent, what are some of the signs that a parent should look for? Yeah, I think this is one of the most important things when it comes to perspective, because it's easy to get caught up into when we think, um, you know, is this child in a phase? You know, that, that's often someone say, oh, they're kind of feeling this way, or they're kind of doing this thing um, and whatnot. Um, and so it can be really hard, but I, I think it's actually really important to pay attention to changes that don't seem to go away. You know, if you've noticed your child seems less interested in things they previously thought were interesting. Uh, one of the biggest things, like, you know, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, we don't want our kids playing video games all the time. But to be honest, if you had a child that consistently played video games for months and months and years and loved it and then suddenly did not and suddenly did not enjoy video games, that would be a flag. You know, if they enjoyed being a gymnast or a cheerleader or whatever it is in life, and then suddenly they were not as interested in that. Now, young people do have various changes in life and they become interested in things that change over time. But if they were really into something and really enjoyed something and they're still not, that, that's a red flag. Changes in eating. Oh, you know, my kid used to be a really great eater, three, three meals a day, eating snacks, what or not, and then suddenly not very hungry or suddenly a lot more hungry. Again, a lot of it is based on significant changes in behavior. Uh, and I think that those are really key. Um, you know, some of the kind of general things are just, again, things not feeling as good as they don't, are not enjoyable to them. You know, they don't seem as interested. They don't want to participate in activities as much anymore. Um, and it's just being sensitive to those kinds of things. Okay. So really identifying a big change in behavior. Yes. I, I think we have a question here. Uh, it's going to try to maybe, uh, I got a question here that says, have you seen changes because of the pandemic? This transition was difficult on a lot of families. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, as everyone, and this is a really important thing, I think, to 
really put out is that everyone has experienced this. This is not just uh, the kids, it's not the parents. This is, I mean, this is everyone. And I think it's just really important to take a step back and remind ourselves this has been a difficult time for everyone. And we just have to have a little extra grace for each other. Uh, you know, myself, I've had experiences where I feel like, geez, things are changing every day in a different location or a different technology. And we're having a different change uh, at work. You know, I, I'm now, you know, doing podcasts or something like that, which I haven't done up until this point in my career. And so I think those changes can be difficult and they can be even more difficult for children though, because they are, of course, we've tried to structure a lot of their life so they don't have to deal with a lot of the stresses of being an adult. Well, now they're actually being, you know, it's almost impossible for them to avoid some of these adult things going on in the world. They're coming through and, and they're becoming the subjects of, you know, what's going on in the world, you know? And so that's, they're going to feel that stress. So I've heard a lot in the news that um, rates of depression has gone up a lot as far as the pandemic. Are you seeing that in the schools with students? I think the thing that would be hard for me to assess numerically wise is that in this clinic here, we see a lot of depression already. And I think it's also important for people to uh, be aware of that in every single family medicine clinic, one of the say top three diagnoses that are seen is actually depression, anxiety, and things like that. People often just don't realize how prevalent that is because it's sort of this hidden disease. You know, you can look at someone and not know if they're depressed. They can put a smile on when other people are around, but when they go home, they may not really be that happy. So I think that uh, people are saying that numbers are higher and whatnot. I, I would really like to emphasize that this is something that is always a problem. This is something that is. Uh, one of those diseases that is very difficult to um, sometimes to catch because it can come on so slowly and the changes can be so subtle. Um, so I think that's what I would emphasize when I respond to that question is that this is something that something as, as many as I think 50% of Americans at one point in their life will have a major depressive episode. Uh, and that comes with it. Lots of changes in behavior, uh, changes in life, the way you look outlook on life. And so, you know, as soon as you become a teenager and you start to kind of dealing with many of these things in the world, you know, you're much more susceptible to some of these things that uh, can affect your mood. Absolutely. So if a student is feeling kind of symptoms or a parent is concerned, what are the steps to get help for that person? Sure. So one thing that we're, we're, it's really important for here is that, you know, as a medical writer, you know, I try to make sure that patient preferences um, and established um, clinics are always used if those are available. So if you are already set up with a primary care provider in the community, uh, you, you don't just have to come into the high school clinic here that we have here. I think you need to address the people that you have in place, the people you're most comfortable with. You know, uh, So if you're a parent and you have a student that you're worried about, I think it's important to talk to your, to your children about your concerns. You know, I think you need to ask open-ended questions. Try not to ask questions like, are you depressed? That's a yes or no. That doesn't allow for exploration. Uh, you know, ask about, you know, what, what's going on in your life right now? You know, what are going on with your feelings? You know, uh, and then also, you know, make observations about what your, your, your child is saying. You know, I hear you saying X. Tell me more about that. And again, avoiding closed-ended yes-no questions because that tends to shut people down. And honestly, we do that all ages. You know, if we get a, a yes-no question or if we say, hey, how are you doing? Fine, move on. It's often the easiest thing to do. Whereas talking about your feelings, talking about how you're doing, and keep in mind that many people present with depression, anxiety in different ways. So they may not realize they feel down, but they also 
may not be feeling that, uh, that, that life's going as well for them. They may feel hopeless. You know, things that caused joy in the past, you know, are not joyful anymore. And we would still say that those people probably uh, meet the definition of depression, even if they don't think they feel sad, because not everyone's super emotional. So, you know, the way they experience life isn't always in terms of oh, I'm down or up or I mean, I'm all over the place. It's looking at those behaviors and changes in their life. And what about a student that might become like aggressive or more angry or have outbursts? Could that right. be a sign? Uh, certainly, uh, aggressive behavior can be concerning. Now, and that's where kind of this hierarchy of if any, you know, if anyone is actually in imminent danger, if you think someone's going to be hurt, you do need to call nine one one. So that's a situation where, you know, we can't really, we're not going to be able to like do anything else to make sure we prevent harm. Okay. And going back to your question about how do you get help, you know, you can talk to your primary care provider. You can talk to uh, other parents that you have that are trusted people that you talk with about important issues. You know, this could be spiritual leaders, counselors you already connected with, uh, school. Uh, schools have counselors as well, and there's a nurse at the school and whatnot. Um, and then making sure this is something that we can, uh, you know, address as a group, because any situation when it comes to depression is not just about one person or one pill, or it is the more people, the better, the better your support network is, the better. We've heard a lot about self-care over the last year. How would you describe self-care and how can parents practice this and model it for their children? To me, this is also among one of the most important things that we do in medicine. I feel like to me is, is close on my heart is that when I get to an end of a conversation with a patient that is sometimes very heavy, I, I sometimes end it by saying, you know, take every day, one day at a time, one moment at a time, have fun, enjoy yourself, take time for yourself and listen to your body. It's important when your body is not feeling well, you're, you're the first to know. So a lot of these things when we're talking about treatment, are you getting better? You know, are you getting help? Well, you're going to have to be able to answer the question whether or not you're actually getting better. So self-care involves things like eating healthy, getting regular exercise, getting a good night's sleep. I think getting a good night's sleep is just so underrepresented in what we think is, is valuable um, for our young people. Uh, I remember reading an article once just talking about migraines in children. And they talked about the emphasis that, you know, just controlling things like caffeine and their sleep. Um, and a few other like um, dietary, if it was as effective as medicines. So remember that we're, we're often in the idea where we think of medicines being somebody that is saving us or helping us or whatever. As an example, in these kids, you know, migraines were just as well treated without pills if you watched for their sleep and what they were eating. That's how important this is. And when you get adulthood, honestly, that doesn't actually change that much. You know, the time that you take for yourself to rest, to recover, to be aware when you're stressed. Those are some of the most important skills you have as an adult and being able to relay those to your children. So they also develop those skills. So they're aware of what they feel about how they manage their feelings and whatnot. These aren't, these aren't just skills for people who are in counseling school. These are skills that help everyone have better lives, live more fulfilling lives and be able to recognize problems when they need help. Yes, I agree. That's great advice. Is there anything else that you would like people to know? more about mental health? Yeah, I think I would come, I would kind of bring it, bring it back around to what I was talking about. This is one of the most prevalent diseases of mental health are one of the, among the most prevalent diseases we treat in medicine. Uh, and keep in mind, that's even more prevalent when we don't treat them. Those are people in the community who are depressed who never come in and get treatment. 
Uh, I think a lot of people just, it, it's a, you know, it's kind of one of these things in our society that we don't like talking about, right? We don't like talking about, uh, we don't feel good or feel happy because we're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to feel successful. We're supposed to do all these things in life that make us uh, seem that way. You know, we have social media, right? Facebook, TikTok, all these things where many of our children and adults, we're all susceptible to seeing other people looking like they're having really great lives and feel like, well, I'm not having that great a life. I think, again, Take one day at a time. Live your life. Be thankful for the things that you have. The more time you spend thinking about things you're, you're thankful for, grateful for, um, really the happier you're going to be. And, and you don't always have to have a goal of being like, I'm the happiest person in the world. Sometimes it's important just to feel satisfied about the life that you have, that you've made good decisions. And when you've been confronted with decisions in life, you've done the best you could. And I think sometimes the best advice during this pandemic is that we're all really often doing the best we can, and we couldn't really have expected ourselves to make different decisions given the unbelievable circumstance that we are living in today. So take a break, relax, put a movie on, pop some popcorn, take a walk, make decisions for your health that make you feel happier and healthier and bring your family closer together, because these are the times when we are being tested. And so let's get together and be healthy. I love that message, Jeff. Thank you so much for your expertise and for taking the time to share with us. Um, we really appreciate your help and advice. Well, I'm glad that I could be of some help. Thank you. The Community Caregivers Connected podcast is made possible with funding through the Washington State Healthcare Authority, drug-free community grant funds from the CDC, and new ESD 101. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokaneprevention.com.